One day we will see our King. And what a glorious day that will be. What a glorious day that would be. Thank you, worship team, for that, for helping us to get our hearts and mind focused upon the God that we worship. And I feel as though I just came out of a theological uh, Disneyland of sorts. Uh, Didn't that uh, BCTC conference feel as though you were sipping straw, using a straw to sip through a fire hydrant? (laughs) And you just get just drenched, just seems... It just seems so apropos when we consider the wellspring of life that we're trying to drink out of, that is the Word of God, yes? And so don't be surprised if you ran out of that conference theologically dripping wet. And there's no way that anybody could come out of that conference dry. There's no way that anybody could come out of that conference and and not learn something in terms of our heart condition before the Savior. But be that as it may, we are still marching through our series on building upon our heritage here at Faith Church. And we've been looking at an array of uh, themes in the Scripture, particularly with an emphasis of looking through the book of Ephesians. We've been looking at themes such as you are a saint, you are blessed in Christ. Not only are you blessed in Christ, but you are Adopted in Christ, you are chosen in Christ, you are blessed in Christ, you are so forgiven in Christ, and you are redeemed in Christ. And so for today, we're going to be looking at another one of those themes, just marching through the text of Ephesians. And we're going to be looking at the theological notion of the fact that you are united with Christ. You are united with Christ. You know, time would fail us with what the Word of God has to say on this matter of our being in union with Christ, our being united under the banner of one King, one Lord. But nevertheless, we have to look at that portion of text anyway, and so for our spiritual growth and benefit. And so I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14, just, well, not every aspect of it, but uh, enough to whet your theological appetite. For those of you who don't have a Bible, there's a Bible under your seat. You can look at page 150 of that Word of God. Well, it probably would be good to start off by reading, right? Let's just start off by reading what the text has to say on the matter of life and godliness. Let's just look at verse 1 and just walk our way through it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. To the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, and he says, "This grace to you and peace From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. 
in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have been, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him, notice that phrase, in him, in him, in him. You also, after having listened to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, verse 14, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Oh, Father in heaven, the entrance of your word brings light and it gives understanding to us who are a simple people. Lord, help us to understand what your word has to say. Help us to live out by your spirit whom you've given to us as a seal of the promised redemption. Help us to live and follow after your son, Jesus Christ, until it is a day that you call us home. But in the meantime, Lord, help us to get a glimpse of light so that we can live more appropriately in these evil days that we live in. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And at the very least, I think we can look at three benefits of our unity in Christ. Let's just start off with a question. What is unity in Christ? I mean, what in the world does that look like? Other than we just, other than the fact that we just read through the Ephesians, you know, verses 1 through 14, we have a, a complementary passage of our unity in Christ, which comes out of Paul's letter to the Galatians. And this, is, this gives us a succinct definition of what, Unity in Christ looks like. He says this to the Galatian church. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Notice the phrase, in me, in me, in him, in him. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You know, when we believe in Christ alone for salvation, we are surrendering arms 
as it were, to the magnificence, to the beauty of the lordship of Christ over our lives. We are spiritually participating with the Lord in his crucifixion in the sense that we are taking up our cross and following after the goal of the upward call of God in him. I mean, it's nothing short of the the hymn I think we've all heard before, crucified with Christ, my Savior, to the world and self and sin, to the death-born life of Jesus, I am sweetly entering in. What a sweet union it is for you and I to behold the wonder and glory of his name, to be under the banner of the cross, to live in light of the cross until he calls us home. But like to participate in Christ's crucifixion because it is in, it entails a gruesome (laughs) dying to yourself. Living under the banner of Christ entails a gruesome dying of me, myself, and I. And since part and parcel of our participation involves Christ working in us, the hope of glory, Christ has made spiritual undertakings for us to complete the work which he began in us, in his fellowship of suffering, yes, to his death conformed to be. And I am going with my Savior all the way to Calvary. You know, my friends, outside of that union, outside of us being united with Christ, outside of that union, there is no hope. There is only hopelessness. Outside of that union in Christ and with Christ, outside of that union lies a hopeless despair. Outside of of that lies a world that is passing away along with its passing pleasures. There is no saving good. There's no eternal good, John Piper would say. There's no... God-exalting good, no soul-satisfying good comes to us except as we are connected to Christ. But if you are in Christ, and I believe that most of you are, if you are in Christ, I want you to know that our union with him means, first, our eternal salvation is secured. Your eternal salvation is oh so evermore secured. Notice what Paul said in Ephesians verses 7 through 8, chapter 1. is in him, again, the phrase, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. In redemption, in salvation came at an incomprehensible eternal price paid to buy the freedom of the one who was under bondage in sin. And under sin's bondage, spiritual death, it is the paycheck as it were. It's the paycheck given to every man because the wages of sin is what? Is death. So what did God do for sinners like you and me. He broke the power of canceled sin. He what? He set the prisoner free. 
And his blood has made the foulest clean. His blood availed for, for who? For, for me, for you. And the force of sin upon my constitution, upon your constitution, was broken. Because those born from above no longer make it a practice of sin as a lifestyle choice. Why? Because God's seed abides in him. 1 John chapter 3. The reason why you can reflect and live in and with Christ is because he broke the power of canceled sin. He set you free because his blood has made the foulest clean. His blood availed to me. That is how powerful your adoption, your union, your freedom, your redemption, your salvation in Christ is. That is how powerful his union is with you and you with him. In the beloved, you know, God's marvelous grace calls me to dwell in his wonderful place, yes? And God sees my Savior, and then he sees me in the beloved, accepted and free. And so we are redeemed through his blood. Our union means that we are redeemed through his, what? His blood. You know, isn't our redemption something to look at and wonder? <laughs> Isn't our redemption something to look at and delight in and wonder? Oh, perfect redemption, right? The purchase of blood. To every believer, the promise of God. You know, but if we were to, to look further into this redemption of ours, our union with him, we would come to the understanding that our union with Christ also entails the promised unraveling of the very curse by which our world currently groans, by which our bodies currently groan. You feel that achiness the older you get, right? The older you get, the closer you get to your Savior. Oh, we groan. Oh, we groan. Our union with Christ is as far-reaching as the east is from the west, as one song would say. And, you know, the testimony of Scripture just bears that out, to which Paul reminds God's people, remember in Romans chapter 8, to which he expressed this glorious truth. He said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us, Paul said. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. There's hope. In our union with Christ, there's hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. <laughs> when that day comes, oh, this world will be free. We will come back to a glorious world to which we will be participants and partakers of all, the world will be so free because first, our unity in Christ has set us free. God, and had not God provided the redemption in the sending of his son, we would be a people mostly to be pitied, right? There'd be no victory over death. There'd be no mediator between God and man, there 
would be neither hymns we sing or consider even a joy divine, no leaning on his everlasting arms. But we know that that's not how God wrote the story, right? We know how the story ends. We know what Revelation says. We know that we have hope in Christ through the spirit to which he has given to us as a seal, the promise of redemption. We see our hope in the present, in the here and now, and in the future. Our unity with Christ means so, so much. No longer shall sin have dominion, right? Though present to tempt and annoy. For Christ and his blessed redemption, the power of sin to destroy. Our unity in Christ means that we are granted the forgiveness of our sin. Let me repeat that, granted. I mean, what do you mean that our union was, was granted? What in the world do you mean? And you, you remember perhaps, you remember all that Pastor Brent said to you yesterday? Yes, that's a word. I didn't make it up. I didn't make yesterday. Yes, it's an actual word. It refers to last week. You remember what he said last week? Maybe you don't remember everything that he said last week. Maybe you remember some things that he said last week, or perhaps what Pastor Rod had said the week before. Remember some of those things, or Pastor Byers? Or... Well, maybe you remember some of those things. One of the things that was said, he said that if anything, he said that God, from before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1.4, chose us in what? Chose us in love. Chose us in love. And so you see the reason why we are leaning and learning to love him more and more is because he first loved us in our union with God. Him. And in granting us the forgiveness of our trespasses, our sins, we should be living out a kind of supernatural gratitude such that those outside of our union with Christ will look at the changes in our lives. And should they ever ask why we are so very changed, so very different, we can say because of the love of Christ within us, we can say And we can walk them to the foot of the cross and say that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be what, church? Saved. Why? Because with the heart you what? You believe and confession is made unto salvation. And so God's promise to all believers, even to the vilest offender who truly believes, that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. He receives a pardon on the cross. God looked at Christ and saw you. Now he looks at you and sees Christ. And our unity in Christ is born out of God's love to us in that we partake of the riches, the rich fat of his grace. And this means that we can never, ever, 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 never, 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 we can never, never outstrip, (laughs) just had to throw that in there from somewhere. We can never, ever outstrip God's grace. (laughs) One pastor said, Pastor MacArthur, he says, we cannot sin beyond God's grace. 
Because as wicked as and extensive as our sins might be or become, they will never approach the greatness of his grace. His forgiveness is infinite, and he lavishes it without measure upon those who trust in his son. Man, we can say an amen to that one, can't we? <laughs> or Pastor Vars will say, you can say, mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, God's, God's great blessings are heavenly blessings, yes? Again, it bears repeating that our union with Christ was a grace ordained and a grace sealed in heaven for us. It was a grace that was granted to us, a grace that was granted from before the foundation of the world. You know, all I can think of at this point in this sermon is I am just absolutely struck with such a, with a kind of gratitude that is difficult to put into words. How about you? When we, when we get up in the morning, right, just think about it. When we, when we get up in the morning, it's a grace. Right? When we lie down, it's a what? It's a, it's a grace. When I see my wife and, I, and my kids, it's a grace. When I am struck with loving rebukes, it's a grace. When I'm given a salvation too wonderful to communicate, it's a grace. It's a wonderful, matchless, just grace. Grace, right? Tis a charming sound, harmonious to the ear. Heaven with the echoes shall resound. And all that the earth shall hear, t'was grace that wrote my name in life's eternal book. Was grace that gave me to the Lamb who all my sorrows took. And our union with Christ couldn't, couldn't be more glorious, right? Yes? I mean, are you overwhelmed by His grace yet, Faith? I know I am. So overwhelmed by His grace, grace, marvelous grace, ever provided for me. The depth of our union of Christ, it just it knows no bounds. It just, it's an endless sea of delight and grace. We have an inheritance with Christ. Do you understand what that means? To have an inheritance with Christ, he's given you his bounty. He's given us his son. I mean, this was something that the apostle Paul prayed for. He didn't know that, right? He prayed that we would understand this glorious truth, that you and I would understand not just the hope of our calling, but their, but their eternal inheritance, our eternal inheritance in light of our union with him. He said this in Ephesians 1 verse 18. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. He wanted you to know that. He wanted God's people to know the hope of their calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Notice that phrase. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? You know, I can almost picture it, you know. I mean, well, my own cartoonish way. You know that you are an inheritance for Christ? I I don't know how it's going to shake out in heaven. I just know that when we stand before our king, it would almost be as if he would say, perhaps he would say it this way. He would say, I offer to you as an inheritance, perhaps one angel would say, Luke Lambeth, he is your inheritance, O Jesus. 
I offer as your inheritance to Christ, you know, God the Father, as a gift to his son, Wanda, as an inheritance from before the foundation of the world. Yes? I offer to my son, Lynn and Deb Caldwell, as an inheritance from before the foundation of the world. I offer Steve and Joanne Austin or Marlia or Leela and Alethea and Jaden inheritance from before the foundation of the world or an Alfonso or a Maggie and their kids as an inheritance from before the foundation of the world or Starkweathers or Daryls of the world or Barbs of the world or Jonathans of the world, I offer as an inheritance to Christ or Linda <laughs> of the worlds. God's people as an inheritance given to the Son. Wow, what a glorious redemption, <laughs> right? Man, what a greater outpouring of spiritual hope, a great outpouring of the spiritual maturing and strength among God's people. And hope doesn't disappoint, right? Hope doesn't disappoint because we know the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the redemption of Christ, through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. I appoint from before the foundation of the world an inheritance, the Malincheks. What a day that would be, right? In glorious Christ we see, <laughs> being partakers of the riches, the richness of his grace. You know, it entails so much more, right? I mean, we are a part of the family of God. We're a part of the family of God. We're a part of his family. That's what unity in Christ entails. I told you time would fail us to, to even look at all the glorious and, and wonders of what the word of God has to say on this matter alone. We're a part of the family of God, to which Paul says to the Galatian church, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You know, as I was writing my sermon, you know, I came to this passage, this particular passage here. I was doing some background, and I, had, I was learning that slavery was rampant in Roman society among many classes of people, many past, many classes of ethnic groups, many, 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 many. Some families were born into slavery. Slavery was literally built into the economy of Rome. Sometimes parents would sell their children into slavery just to get out of debt. I mean, can you imagine the impact of Paul's words to the Galatians, some of them living under such conditions? And Paul said to to them that if they repent of their sins, God will be their father and they will be sons and daughters to him. And I can only wonder what they're saying. You know, perhaps they're saying, are you saying, are you saying that I, some of them perhaps still slaves, are you saying that I can be free? Is that what you're saying, Paul? <laughs> Impossible. I can't be free. But you, we know what is it that we know that nothing is impossible with, with who? With God, right? You know, the debt I owed, I could not pay for 
I was helpless from the fall. Yet still I heard the Spirit say that Jesus paid it all. And he, my debt upon the cross, he died to set me free. When nothing else could pay the loss, he gave himself for me. That is why we are free. You know, if you were raised without a family, you know, you can have one in the beloved, right? You know, if you have no father or mother, you know, God can be your father. You know, if the son sets you free, you will be what? You will be free indeed. You know, I, I say these things as Jesus would put it. In this world, you will have so many tribulations. But Christ has overcome the world. You know, our union with him is such a shining star of hope in a world waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. You know, we are, we're co-heirs with Christ. Your union means that we are co-heirs with Christ. We're co-heirs with Christ. Listen to what Paul said to the Romans. You know, Paul went everywhere, right? <laughs> he was a church planner. Paul went everywhere. And this is what he said. He says, you know, if, if, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be what? Glorified with him. Because Christ, you know, died the death you died and lived the life that you should have lived. Our union with him follows a, a supernatural glorification and reign upon this world which has yet to experience, that we have yet to experience, yet we look forward to, right? We look forward to that day. And, you know, God's word, it hasn't left us without understanding of these things. Our union with him follows the Holy Spirit, which is given to us, who gives us a better reception of things divine. You know, we receive an understanding of the word of God insofar as the mysteries of the word of God has been revealed to those who are in Christ. Look at verses 8 and 9. He says, but we, we, we know this, that in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will. You know, the word wisdom, it's interesting. The word wisdom, Paul has in mind that of seeing and knowing the truth. And in seeing and knowing what to do and, and the understanding, it refers to how I use and do the truth in my own life and seeing which direction I need to take. In other words, I, I think it seems pretty apropos, don't you think, that we're living out Ephesians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Can I say that? Do I even dare say that of Paul's letter to the, Ephesians, to the Ephesian church because you know, the BCTC conference is born out of this passage such that we implement the spiritual capacity to grasp those great truths of life, making known what is now so clear to us, the mystery of God and his will, which is made known, that is who? Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. You know, the BCTC conference is that reflection. It's a reflection, really, of the carrying out of that grace that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 3 with reference to what he has in mind, the, in, the unfathomable riches of Christ. He said to the Ephesians later on in the third chapter, he says, to me, you know, the, the very least of all the saints that this grace was given, 
to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the, of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. He said this to the Colossians. He went everywhere explaining this mystery. That the Gentiles would be a part of this salvation experience that Jews would experience. First experienced. In Colossians chapter 1, he says, you know, of this church I was made a minister. It's the reason why he was made. To minister to the Gentiles according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for who? For your benefit. For your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the, from the past ages and generations but has now been manifested to his saints. Faith is, you know, as God has, has chosen Paul to bear out this union, right? This union, he's chosen you also to fully carry out, carry out your stewardship responsibilities among your families in, the, in your church to make the word of God fully known in all facets of church life and in your homes or wherever you may go. And then to go out into the marketplaces speaking to the people all the words of this life, Acts chapter 5. Why? I mean, why? Why tell others about our glorious union with Christ? Oh, I mean, don't you want the word of God to point them to the eternal praises of God? Isn't that what you want? Isn't that stirring up within your heart and your soul, the praise of the word of God, to tell them about this union that we would have with him and that they could have it too? The word of God points us to this eternal praise, verses 9 and 10. He said that God did this according to the, to the kind intention, to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of the times, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on the earth. In other words, God has an eternal purpose and a plan for the world, and he seemed fit to use people like you and I to providentially bring all of these things about. And his delight is to save a people for himself, you, to be a part of God's eternal plan for the ages. And in the book of Revelation, you know, we hear the words of our Lord. He said, he said this, and this, in, in Revelation 22, he said, the spirit and the bride say what? Say, come, come. And let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes to take the waters of life without cost, come. The gospel is absolutely free. It is so very free, which saves wretches like me. You know, today is a day of salvation for perhaps some in this room today. You have an opportunity to agree with this God that we so adore and learn about, that you've sinned against him. And all that he asks is that you would repent and turn away from your sins and flee to his son for eternal life. And, and perhaps you say, I don't know how to do that. What must I do to what? To, to believe. What do I do? Well, 
I've already said it before, Romans 10, 9 and 11. If you what? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you will be what? Saved. And when you do that, the scriptures say, whoever believes in him will never be disappointed. Never. Not even a little. Never. And as soon as you do that, God the Holy Spirit will indwell you and begin to make changes and and desires in your life that you never thought possible. And you will join us in the sky. You will join us in God's eternal plan to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he made us accepted in the beloved. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. Our union with Christ is sealed. Our position in Christ is sealed. It is a done deal. Signed, sealed, delivered. We are his and he is mine. He is ours. Our position is sealed. In him, verses 13 and 14. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, a promise who was given as a pledge. It's a pledge. It's a promise. You believe in Christ, he will save you, and the third person of the, of, of the Trinity will reside in you. The third member of the God who was given as a pledge for our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. In other words, you are his. He belongs to you. And he promised that, and he sealed it with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you want to talk about another unfathomable grace in our unity with Christ, the Holy Spirit, is given to us? Are you serious? Yes. It's given to us, to believers, to give the believer as the first, primary, perfect assurance of our salvation and that we belong to him as his treasure possession. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. And so, you know, I want to be a part of the family of God, don't you? Aren't you glad to be a part of his family? I mean, aren't you glad to be a part of this union with him in the present, but also it will be fully accomplished in the future because of his redemption accomplished and applied? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod, for I am a part of the family of God. From the door of an orphanage to the house of the king, no longer an outcast, a new song I sing. From rags unto riches, from the weak to the strong, I am not worthy to be here, but praise God, I belong. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your redemption. Thank you, oh God, that we can be so part of this union in Christ. Thank you, oh God, that we can live and move and have our being (laughs) in you. Help us to live out with joy this union. May we not stray. And if we do stray, oh God, pull us back fast. Pull Pull us back fast. Let not the allurements of the world entice us. You entice us. You bring us joy. You bring us satisfaction because only you can satisfy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.